Switch Coast Mariners signed their new Scottish striker. Are Reds the new dark horses in the A-League? And a Socceroos preview for the upcoming qualifier against Vietnam. Welcome to the Coastwood Football Podcast. My name is Lockie, and this is the show where we sit down to have a nice casual chat about all of the big stories happening in Australian football when it comes to the A-League men's competition, my team, the Central Coast Mariners. And, uh, of course, at the moment, it's it's we're getting into it's Socceroos season. It's Socceroos season at the moment. The qualifiers are on. Um, some crucial qualifiers too and of course I mean talking about soccer is, is, is good fun as well because and I, I know like being so many A-League uh, supporters listen to the podcast here and uh, we all like regardless of what A-League club you support there's a good chance you support uh, uh, the Australian national team as well so it's something that we can all get behind that's for sure um, but we are here back again on the couch with a lovely set of course the, the sauce bottles are out as always and um, I want to dive into this first story and and there's some things to unpack because obviously it's a big signing, not just for the Mariners, but for the A-League. And of course, I'm talking about the 26-year-old Scottish striker, Jason Cummings, who has arrived on the Central Coast. It's been rumoured for a little while. It's finally official. But there's some things to unpack in terms of uh, what does it actually mean for the Central Coast Mariners in their lineup? So that's what I think people aren't really talking about as much. And I want to dive into in this podcast and would love to, as always, get your thoughts on these things. So whether, of course, you're listening on uh, watching or rather on YouTube or listening on a podcast platform, you can jump in into the YouTube comments or, or hit me up with a DM on Instagram or Twitter or, or, or wherever. But uh, let's talk about it. So, of course, the move was announced uh, just, just yesterday from this podcast release on, on the Monday. And uh, he comes, obviously, there's a bit of, for those that aren't unaware, for those that are unaware, actually, I should, I should, you know, bring it up. He's got a bit of off-field controversy, and I don't want to focus on that. I mean, I mean, it, I, I always like focusing on the football side of things. But he has had some some issues with. Uh, just last month, he attended an event dressed as the Joker and rocked up to training and was 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 deemed unfit. It's it's it, it all sounds it, it's all kind of comedic, and and he's got a bit of a he's I don't want to call him memey, but he's almost got that meme quality about him. Um, just just his. Uh, I guess he's he's become a bit of an icon <laughs> in in a way, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. And I, and I'm sure he's a great guy, and it's great to have him at the club as well. But um, he's got that. Uh, there's certainly been some off-field stories about him. Let's just say that as well, and you can do your research on that if you'd like. Um, so, but in terms of his footballing career, he's recently been playing at Dundee FC in Scotland, where he scored this past season, made 14 appearances, scoring four goals, um, which is you know, pretty average. Uh, but in terms of his overall career, it's, it's not too bad. He, he's played most of his career in Scotland and in the Scottish Premiership, he's made 112 appearances in total, scoring 63 goals. He's also um, spent time at Shrewsbury Town, uh, Peterborough, I think as well. Some, some, some in the like sort of League One um, in in England. And I think he spent some time um, in, in the Championship as well. He was, at, he was at the books at Nottingham Forest. So look, he, he comes to the club with, with some pedigree and probably the most, in, in terms of the personnel, the Mariners, I mean, we've got Marco Renia who featured at the World Cup in, in 2018 for Costa Rica, and he's played all over the world. But, but um, you know, Cummings has played against some some quality opposition, and he's going to, he's 26 years old. Like, he's, he's still relatively young. Like, he's still in the peak of his career, which is, which is the exciting thing. Usually for these, you know, overseas strikers that you bring in there, they're sort of, a little bit further on in the career, but Cummings is, is is still in the prime of his career, in my opinion, and has the potential to really light up the A-League. Um, now, the question is, where does he fit into the Mariners' lineup? And 
simply who starts up front. And I actually did a podcast episode. This would have been like a month or two ago where I, I got a couple Mariners fans on the podcast um, and Riley and Dean, that they, they came on the podcast a few weeks ago. And we I, I posed the question to them, like what strike partnership um, is, is going to work best for the Central Coast Mariners? Because we're sort of blessed with strikers at the moment, which is which is sort of hilarious because I, I remember it was only three or four years ago where we were just in desperate need for a striker who could score goals. You know, we had Astrobel come in and he was a flop. Uh, Ross McCormack arrived at the club one season and, and, and we were excited about him because he did relatively well at Melbourne City uh, previously and he didn't work out at all either. Uh, Roy, Roy O'Donovan did okay for us for, for a season or two, but obviously he moved on to different things. And... Um, yeah, we, we've, we've just been like lacking at least one decent striker. And now it feels like we have like four or five. Um, so let's listen to them right now. We've got Marco Renia, Mateus Maresh. Those are the two who we've been seeing pretty much start up front this season. Matt Simon, we know is out with this. I mean, what what is it? It's become a long-term injury and who knows when we'll see him back. Um, now Jason Cummings. So so that's that's four players now. And then we've got Nikolai Muller, who we imagine is going to play in one of those positions as well, who has only seen... Uh, I think 10, 15 minutes of a football pitch this season though, uh, at home to the Wanderers off the bench. And, um, and then you've got the long, young guys coming through. I mean, I mean Damien Sakenis, who's, who's uh, you know, w- was promoted in terms of his contract this season to a senior contract. And, uh, and, and we've got the other guys like Garen Kowal, Harry McCarthy can play out there as well. So there's so many options. Um, my first concern that I want to raise is like, it's going to limit the times, the, the, the time on the pitch for those young guys, which is a shame for, for players like Damien Sakanis, who I know w- was probably eager to get some more game time this year, especially during preseason releasing Matt Cahill, releasing, um, Jordan Smiley. It, I, I, I was quite surprised if you listen back to the podcast episode when that happened, which was, you know, a few months ago now, back in, uh, it would have been October-ish, I think. Like I was quite surprised with those moves. I was like, okay, why two young, two young promising strikers, and he's gotten rid, of, getting rid of them. Um, so, so I was wondering what the thinking was behind there. Mateus Maresh obviously came in, and with Mateus Maresh coming in, I was like, okay, cool, cool. Like we got Simon and Arenia, that partnership that worked so well last season. We've got this young Brazilian striker Mateus Maresh coming in. We've brought in Nikolai Muller from the Wanderers, who who can play as as one of those number nines if if needed. Uh, probably more of like a playmaker rather than a number nine, but can play in, in up front in the front line there. But um, and then Damian Sakenis, and I was like, cool, we're, we're set. Like that's 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 a solid group of strikers. And then to bring in Jason Cummings, I mean, so the thing that I have brought up previously, and and I think it pretty much confirms it now, is that Matt Simon w- will most likely not be involved for very much at all, if all, uh, this season. Um, for those that don't know, he's got a, he's got a back injury, he's got a disc problem in his back, and it's and it's just been going on and on. And you know, he featured in in the in uh, in the round of 32 of the FFA Cup against Blacktown City, which was just bef- the week before round one in the A League, and. Uh, he hasn't featured since, and and who knows when we'll see him back. And we wish we wish the best for Simo. And dude, I just want to see him back on the pitch because if he calls it quits out at the end of the season, which is, which is a possibility, because um, because I think he's what thirty. I think he just turned thirty six or thirty five. I might be wrong. Around around that around that, but it's. I hope he. I hope we need to give him a send off, man. Like he's a Mariners legend. He's a Mariners legend, you know, regardless of what you think of him, his time at Sydney FC where he scored uh, a couple of goals against us at home. But um, he, we need to give him the proper send-off. So hopefully we can see Simo. But anyway, talking about Jason Cummings, will he start? Like potentially, we, Mariners play Sydney FC away this weekend. Will Jason Cummings start? I don't think he will. I, I think just because just he's just arriving in the country and just getting settling into the side, he'll probably start off the bench, which is obviously very common for new signings. Um, but... 
in terms of like who drops out and sort of what setup we go for, I can't see Monty dropping Arena. He's just been too strong this season. Scored a fantastic goal in in our three one loss against Melbourne City. Um, so Marco Arena and 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 his and his and his leadership as well. Like Arena's leadership and his influence in the park is is just as important as his uh, individual ability. You know what I mean? So Mateus Maresh, I think, is going to be the one to make way. Um, it's, I wonder what is going through Maresh's head right now with the arrival of Jason Cummings. You know, Mateus Maresh, I wonder what he was told by, you know, by Sergio, by Monty, um, by Ken Sheremby when he came to the club in terms of like, uh, you know, we've seen you play promising football in, 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 in the league in Singapore. We want you to come over here. We're going to give you regular game time. You're a young and up and coming player. We'll help, you know, give you give you a boost for your career, you know, so you can score a, another big overseas move or something. Uh, and, um, you know, with Cummings coming into the side, I think many people expect Cummings just with his stature and, and just with that experience here that he'll get the nod if he's fully fit, when he is fully fit uh, for, for the remainder of the season ahead of Maresh. And I wonder how Maresh is going to go with that. I wonder now if maybe, maybe there's something we're not even seeing. Maybe Maresh is going to cut his stay short maybe I can't I don't see any chance of Renya's leaving from from all accounts so Renya's happy with life here on the coast um and his family set up here and 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 he, he seems to really love the club um so I, nah, I, I, that's just purely speculation about Maresh potentially cutting his stay short but you know it raises the question like if Matty Simon did come back and was fit like it's not only like who do you start up front for the Mariners but who starts on the bench you know is Matt Simon, Matt Simon operates well off the bench because of the physicality that he brings on, and he, he can he can really you know hassle those tired defenders late on in a game. But you got Mateus Maresh, you got to try and fit on the bench as well. And then what that does mean then is that it you're you're hampering your is that the right word to use your you know it's not good for the development of the likes of Damien Zakenis, who players like him, Harry McCarthy, I was really excited about them coming through because of the number of young guys. Again, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I'm so excited about the Mariners youth that are coming through and getting game time. And I want those young guys to keep getting game time. If all these guys are fit, if Matt Simon comes back and fit, Damien Zakenis isn't playing a game for the rest of the season and might as well go out on a lone move or, you know, do a Jordan Smiley move where he joins, you know, a Blacktown City and an MPL level club. Because I don't, I, he won't get game time, man. So look, it's 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 a fascinating one, and for me, to, just to sort of put a full stop on it, what I would like to see, I would like to see, and then Nikolai Muller. I didn't even talk about Nikolai Muller. What's going on, man? We got too many strikers, and the crazy thing as well, I just want to say as well, is that I wish we had brought in another central midfielder or a central defender. I think those are the positions we need strengthening in. Yeah, so so. I, again, I don't want to complain about the move because we should be thankful. And as I mentioned, it's like we were crying out for a strike a few years ago. But it's it's a bit awkward now in terms of like, well, now we have too many. It's like, who do we start? And I'm like, how are we, how are we affording all these strikers at the same time as well? But they're managing to do it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's look, it, it's just going to be a good headache for for Nick Montgomery to figure out which what is his best strike best strike partnership. But for me, I mean, I I think if Nicola Muller is fit, he has to start. He's just got so much quality. But you can't drop Marco Renya. I think Jason Cummings comes off the bench. I, I would start Arrenia and Muller. Cummings to come off the bench. And then Mateus Maresh to come off the bench. And then maybe, and then and I think Matt Simon will be out for the whole season. I don't, maybe Matt Simon won't be, won't be picked if, even if he does come back. Anyway, it's as you can see, it's an absolute headache. And uh, yeah, I just want to reiterate, I as a fan, I would have preferred to see a central midfielder just to help that experience, just to add a bit more experience. Experience as well is in that back line as well, just to... 
bit more cover, um, especially you know with the likes of Kai Rolls and Ruin Tong getting a internet like Socceroos uh, attention as well. So anyway, I could ramble on about that forever, uh, ever, forever and ever. But I've got some other talking points we got to get to. We'd love to get your thoughts on what strike partnership would work best for the Mariners, so let me know. Um, let's talk about Adelaide United. As I mentioned this at the top, potential new dark horses, if we want to use that title. I don't really like using I don't really like the term dark horse. And the A-League is so up and down that, it, you know, is anyone a dark horse? But I guess Adelaide United are a team who sort of people rode off after the first few rounds. They were struggling to find three points. They were struggling to score many goals and really, uh, you know, just winning games simply. Um, but at the moment, they've been turning it around. And let's look at their last four results. Uh, going back to their, and this is just in the A-League, so, so disregarding that, that cup knockout in the quarterfinals to victory. 4-0 uh, home to Wellington. That was a convincing result. Uh, one all away to Melbourne victory, which was an incredibly entertaining game with that dramatic finish. That gritty two-all draw with Melbourne City. Uh, where Ibisuki scored off the bench to equalize. And then the 3-1 win away to Brisbane, which really consolidated it for me. They'd been building some decent form and, and you know, not losing games. And and the win away to Brisbane, a, a Brisbane Raw side who were coming off a little bit of confidence after drawing away to Sydney FC the previous week and on went on the previous Wednesday night last week, winning at home to Perth Glory. So, and at home again, they probably would have been optimistic against uh, about getting a a result against against an Adelaide United side who are sort of at, the, with, at a similar level of them. I'm on the ladder, Adelaide, a little bit higher, obviously, but yeah. Um, so positive results, and, and I tell you what, the the win the win on Sunday against Brisbane is so important, and it's so important because it makes those draws against Victory and City, who are two of the best teams in the country, look so much better, right? To, to look at the last last four games across the A-League, you know, big wins against Brisbane and Wellington, two of sort of the, the lower side teams, which they should be, you know, they should be beating those sides. No disrespect to those clubs. But, and then against Victory and City, who who, who are like favorites for the for the top four, to be getting draws against against those teams, especially a way to Victory. To get a draw there is, is, was, was massive. So when you look at those results, it's like, okay, this Adelaide team, it means business. Like those those four results are all very impressive. Um, that it has been it has to be mentioned as well though. They have played the most games out of anyone. They've played nine matches, which I mean, there's some teams who, who are still you know three or four games behind them. Um, so that has to be said. But the, the, those results do now take them into fifth place on the ladder, which is which is in, which is and, and, and ahead of Mariners now, who currently sit in sixth, which seems incredible based off um, the form of the season. You'd you'd you'd, you'd assume that Central Coast Mariners would be higher than Adelaide at the moment. But again, it's, it's the games in hand thing that obviously um, put it out of uh, out of skew. You know what I mean? So look, Adelaide United. I'm in, I'm impressed with them with, with what they're building, and I think they're finding the right setup now. I mean, Ben Halloran's gone. It looks like Stefan Mork's going to be on the way out as well. I think when they get the likes of Lachlan Brooks settled back in, uh, I've been impressed with Bernardo Oliveira, the young guy, the young winger. Craig Goodwin's developing some good form and had a fantastic game against Brisbane, scoring two goals. And obviously, you know, his form has been rewarded with a Socceroos call up. Um, they're building something good there. And I think as well, like midfielders like One Day and Isaias, like two very experienced uh, quality midfielders who are both have, uh, I mean, Isaias won the championship with Adelaide back in 2016. One Day was key to Perth Glory's midfield when they made it all the way to the grand final under Tony Popovich a few years back as well. So 
class midfielders, I guess, I guess a little bit of still frailty in defense. I mean, they've got to make sure they keep someone like Mikael Jakobsen fit because he's he can be one of the best central defenders in the league if he stays fit. So maybe in defense, and they've had goalkeeping injuries as well. You know, Joe Gatry's been out. He, he's back in now, but uh, James Dalinov, their first choice is out at the moment as well. So defensively, that's probably where the concerns are. And look, if Ibisuki gets firing, yeah, they can make it work. And they've got, you know, back up there with Moture involved and, and, and George Blackwood, who's, George, you know, Blackwood's already grabbed a couple of goals, uh, which, will, which will boost his confidence as well. So, yeah, man, I think it's going to work out for Adelaide United, for Adelaide United this season. I think um, if you're a Reds fan, you should be optimistic. I'm not convinced that they will make finals. I'm not going to say they will make finals. I don't think they're one of those teams that really are... Uh, uh, in terms of their consistency, I mean, those last few results, their consistency has been improving. Those, you know, not simply not losing. Um, but yeah, I think I think they'll be one of those teams to be competing for fifth and sixth. I, I think they'll be around there. They could finish anywhere between fifth and eighth for me. I think they'll be sort of a middle mid-table side, um, looking just to sneak into the finals. But again, would love to get your thoughts on the Reds. Uh, they have impressed me recently, and they could be a side to watch uh, in the, for the remainder of the season. Uh, the next talk, talking point I want to talk about, and and this is one that is sort of, I guess, I don't know if it's floated under the radar this this round, this weekend, um, but it, it wasn't necessarily the, the most high-profile game of the weekend. But um, Wellington picked up a pretty impressive 2-1 win against Western United. Western, one of the best teams of the competition so far this season, defensively have just been so impressive, so many clean sheets. And, uh, you know, the, the new signings of, of Leah Lacroix and uh, Leah Lacroix, uh, they've been, I've been impressed with Neil Kilkenny and they're finding some good chemistry in attack as well, managing, they're not prolific in, in goal scoring, but the likes of Connor Payne and Lockie Wales have been playing well. Um, Dylan Wenzel-Halls has grabbed a couple of goals so far this season as well. So there's... I mean, there's a, there's a formula there, West United, that I believe will finish in the finals. Um, some people I see online aren't necessarily convinced that they will purely because of uh, the way they play. I see a lot of comments that of uh, <laughs> smashing the John Aloisi's tactics is is boring football tactics. But look, if it works for them and it gets them the wins, then uh, you know that's all you need. Hey, the um. But Wellington Phoenix, that's the team that I want to talk about, man. And Gail Sandoval, who, who came in, and what a debut, scoring 15, 16 minutes into his debut. Uh, lovely little finish from Sandoval. But I was really impressed with the with just the work around that. I mean, I pulled up some of his stats here. Three shot assists, five take-ons in total, and he won eight out of 13 duels, which is okay. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. This is a player who Wellington desperately needed. Desperately needed. And yes, this is just one game, so... We don't want to get carried away, but, but after the loss of Ulysses De Villa, if you if you go back and listen to any of my uh, pre-season podcast episodes, previewing the season, doing my ladder predictions, one of the things I was concerned about with Wellington Phoenix, who I predicted to come last this season, um, was the failure to replace Ulysses De Villa. Now, that's a very hard player to replace. He 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 won the Johnny Warren Medal winner, so it's you know it's not like they can just you know bring anyone in. Um, they brought in Gail Sandoval, which is a bold move to bring, you know, this Mexican player in. Uh, he, he's coming on a loan move, I'm pretty sure, uh, just for the remainder of the season. And from what we've seen, he, he has flair, he has pace, um, his agility was good as well, and, and his ability to find space as well, and um, his, his ability to link up with his teammates as well. Considering this was his first game, he looked very comfortable. And they, Ufuk, Ufuk Talley threw, threw him straight into the starting lineup. He was starting in this one. I think it's going to work for them. And when you look at that attack now, 
it's it looks a lot more impressive and cohesive in the the the, the, the front four that lined up in this game. So you got Rennie Piscopo and Sandoval in the, in the number ten positions, and up front it was David Ball and Gary Hooper. That's their strongest front four, in my opinion. Um, and then you can bring on the likes of Ben Old and Ben Wayne off the bench, the young guys who can have an impact. I think it's gonna. I think it works a whole lot better as well because they have been playing David Ball in sort of that number ten role where Ulysses Davie was playing. I don't think that's David Ball's best position. I think he works better as a striker anyway. So it's it's everyone wins. Everyone wins by Gail Sandoval coming into the club, and he could be the one to revolutionise this club a little bit. And again, I'm not confirming that. I'm not getting carried away, but I'm just suggesting that. I, I just want to highlight the importance of his role in this club because they needed that player. They needed that experienced, classy attacking player to link the midfield, to link defense to attack, right? And um, yeah, man, really, I, I think if you're a Phoenix fan, you should be excited about what he's going to do this season because, uh, yeah, he could be really impressive. Um, I want to talk about, there's a couple other topics I want to talk about. We're going to talk about the Socceroos towards the end of the podcast. Um, but I do want to touch on Sydney FC, uh, who have sort of been on a bit of a downward trend and are one of the um, hot talking points at the moment in the A-League men's competition. Elegance competition. Um, they recently picked up a 2-1 loss to Perth Glory on Saturday night at home. But the result before that, the 1-0 loss to Central Coast Mariners in the FFA Cup semi-final and the 1-0 draw at home to Brisbane Raw just the weekend prior in the A-League. There, there, there seems to be something going wrong, wrong at Sydney FC and, and, and I don't know whether there's a lack of confidence or whether it's a tactical thing or whether it's a personnel thing. Uh, people have online have been pointing their fingers at, at, at different things, at, at all those things. Um, you know, is Steve Corica still the right man to lead this side? Those are the questions that are now being raised. The key statistic that, that, I, that I've been keeping on in their recent games and I want to mention here, which is, which is really concerning for Sydney FC, a team who we are so used to being a top side in the competition. Um, in the most recent game against Perth Glory, 30% shot accuracy, only three shots on target. Um, against Central Coast Mariners in that semi-final, they only had 12.5% shots on target. That's that's incredibly low. Um, against Brisbane, 25% shot accuracy. That's re- all, all, all three numbers very, very low. You know, they are managing to, to, hack, to, to, pardon me, to create some chances. You know, in, the, in these games, they're having, you know, 10, 12, you know, around that, those sorts of figures, shots on, on goal. But only two or three are actually finding the target. And in, in all these games, they've barely tested the opposition keeper. They really have. A, Mark Birgitte made one crucial save in the semifinal. But apart from that, he was barely involved. Um I don't know what it is. You know, it, when I look at Perth Glory, Bobo and Cam Sober started up top. Bobo was non-existent. You know, he barely touched the ball. Cam Sober's been their most likely attacking outlet and 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 has been, you know, having some impact in these games. But it, it, there's a worry now for Sydney FC in terms of they're simply not hitting the back. They're not finding the back of the net or they're simply not hitting the target first of all. You've got to challenge the keeper. You've got to create chances. And you think with the quality that they have, even without the, the keepers that they are missing with the likes of Lafontaine and Barbarous, that they'll still be able to do that. And yeah, they are to, to, to an extent with, with Cam Sober finding dangerous positions and getting Trent Bahagia in behind. But it's not the same. It, it, it really isn't the same. And it's costing them so far. It's costing them in these games, losing to Perth Glory at home, not able to beat a Brisbane Raw side who played their second game in, in, in over a month uh, at home as well. Like especially these home games against these sides who are lower down on the ladder, 
They should be going in. I mean, on my predictions heading into this round, I was like, Sydney FC are going to beat Perth Glory. They're coming off that one all draw with Brisbane and the loss in the cup. They'll come back strong here and they'll beat Perth Glory. And they, and they couldn't. And they didn't. And you know which team did take the chances in that game? Were Perth Glory, who, you know, have, have been struggling, <laughs> haven't been performing at their best at all in their last, in their last couple of games back. Um, so Sydney FC, they're letting other teams into their games by not taking their own chances. And that's the concern for Sydney FC. The thing that I want to highlight for them um, is that I think they desperately need Lafondra and Barbarous to, to come back ASAP. I'm not sure what the timeline is exactly on those guys coming back soon. I'm pretty sure they're not out long-term. They should be back, I imagine, within the next month, you know, next few, few weeks or so. But dude, it just goes to show that they need those guys. Like how clinical is LaFondra up front? You know, even Barbarossa's last season was was building some good goal scoring form. Those guys are going to bring that that killer, you know, they have that killer instinct in front of goal, you know, to find the back of the net. So they need that. They 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 desperately need that. So for Sydney FC, that's letting them down at the moment. Defensively, they've been pretty good. You know, they held Mariners out for a long time. Um, overall against Perth Glory, they were good. Perth Glory just took their two chances when they got them. Um, so defensively, they've been good. It, it's almost a, it's almost an opposite thing of uh, between Adelaide and Adelaide and uh, and and Sydney at the moment. Like Adelaide at the moment, I was like maybe question marks at the back, but they've been pretty good in attack. Whereas Sydney FC, they've been pretty good in defence, but question marks in attack. So. It's interesting how these how these teams are the, the dynamics of the different the different teams are looking. But again, would love to get your thoughts. Actually, maybe what is the best strike partnership for Sydney FC? I think Patrick Wood should be starting if if, if Lafondre's still out. Patrick Wood get the young guys more involved again because you know it wasn't too long ago where they beat Macarthur three 0 So um, look, they can still turn it around. It's not all doom and gloom for Sydney FC, but it's just a big deal because we're so used to seeing them succeed. Yeah. Um, here's the last one I want to talk about. We will wrap up the podcast talking about the Socceroos. And of course, we are doing a watch along on YouTube for the Socceroos Vietnam Qualify this Thursday. Very excited for this one. Um, first of all, I want to dive into my lineup prediction. And, and again, it would be interesting to get your lineup predictions for this game. Um, apparently, Aiden Hrustich is out with suspension, so he will be unavailable for selection um, for this game. So I'm going to dive into my lineup prediction. Um... Matt Ryan and goals, of course. Uh, across the back four, Ryan Grant, Trent Sainsbury, Milos Degenek, and Aziz Beige, I feel like is the most likely and most common back four. Um, as amazing it would, it would be for, to see Marin's Kai Rolls get picked, I, uh, I imagine Degenek with his experience will get in there. The partner Sainsbury. In midfield, in the number six positions, I've got Jackson Irvine and Aaron Moy. And, and again, it's, it, it's not the most solid of, of back six, of, of number six pairings. Um, defensive midfield pairings just because, I mean, ever since Miller Yedinak left, I feel like we haven't really like found that, that lock in, 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 in sort of the defensive midfield area in terms of, we haven't found a, haven't found like a locked sort of uh, setup. Um, Emilia Yedinak was, was, you know, an, an out and out defensive midfielder and allowed for like his partnership with, whether it was Aaron Moy or whoever else was playing in there, Massimo, uh, Massimo Luongo allowed those guys to sort of flourish in a more attacking sense. Um, so those players have to be smarter in, in, that, in that sort of role. But uh, Irvine and Moy, both fantastic players. So I, I think have to be starting. Um, and then in that number 10 role, Tom Rogic as well. So, I mean, whether, whether Ryan McGree comes into that midfield three will be interesting as well. I think Ryan McGree, I just with his, there's a lot of hype around McGree at the moment, obviously scoring that move to, to Middlesbrough. And um, there's a sense that McGree's got a really bright future ahead of him now. Being at a good club like Middlesbrough in England's second division, um, could could he, there could be something special blooming there uh, with Riley McGree. So 
Maybe he could get a shot. I wouldn't mind seeing him in there as well. Um, Martin Boyle on the right wing. I've got Craig Goodwin on the left wing. I just think with his form in the A-League at the moment and and at home in Australia, start Craig Goodwin. Give him a run. We don't have a woman bill at the moment. He would be starting. But Craig Goodwin, get, get give him a run. Um, yeah, and let's just see how we go, man. I, I I trust Goodwin's ability. On his day, he can be one. He can be a fantastic player. One of the one of the best country, uh, one of the best Australian players. I I believe that. Or if he if he really gets firing, and then up front, he's he's maybe the maybe maybe the most contentious position where where we could debate because we do have the likes of Mitch Duke, Matt Leckie, Jamie McLaren, and you know even if you want to play Mark Attilio up up front as well. So for me, I've gone Jamie McLaren, and my reasoning is two words. <laughs> Here's my reasoning for, for picking Jamie McLaren as a strike in this game. Amy Park. <laughs> Jamie McLaren won the golden boot last season in the A-League and it was off the back of scoring a number of goals at Amy Park. Jamie McLaren loves playing, playing at Amy Park. His home ground, man, and this game being played at Amy Park, you get to start him. You get to start him. Start Jamie McLaren. He could potentially score two, three goals in this game if he gets... If he's hungry, if he's up for it, and if he gets firing early, Jamie McLaren could bag in the goals. And with the support around him, with, with the likes of Aaron Moy and Tom Rogic teeing him up, Martin Boyle playing in cross, Martin Boyle, Craig Goodwin playing in crosses from, from the sidelines. You know, that, that's, that's a high quality support, supporting cast for Jamie McLaren to start in this game. Start Jamie McLaren. Yeah, I, I reckon Mitch Duke or Matt Leckie might get the start because Graham Martel just likes to go for his. Uh, the lad that likes he likes to go for familiarity, Gray Martel, and that's what we've seen with the soccer selection. Um, I'm I'm still a little bit startled that that uh, Matt Leckie was selected over Andrew in a boot, but anyway, um, start Jamie McLaren. That's all I'm going to say. Um, would love to see Marco Tilly off the bench. I think he he just he 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 has that X factor. He brings something different. Have to see Riley McGree off the bench as well. Um, so look, we'd love to hear again your Socceroos lineups predictions uh, or your preferred preferred lineup down in the comments as well hey guys thanks for checking out this episode of the coastwatch football podcast so many big talkers, topics to talk about we'd love to get all your thoughts on all these things so so j- jump in the jump into uh, the comment comments to uh continue the conversation uh have a fantastic week guys you can make sure to keep uh subscribe to the coastwatch football podcast on all of the podcast platforms on youtube new episodes every single tuesday and of course make sure to keep subscribed specifically to the youtube channel because that's where all of the main content is dropping the round predictions round reviews for the A-League men's competition and so much more all right guys see you in the next one